The Go Radio Network, in conjunction with blogtalkradio.com, presents The Comedy Shack. Greetings and salutations to you. I'm Joy Harris, and thank you for joining me this week on The Comedy Shack. For those listening live or later on demand via Bluetooth, headphones, in your car or on your computer, notebook, netbook, tablet, or phone, I'm proud and humbled that you've joined me for this show this week. <clears throat> and uh, a couple of things I want you to do for me this week, as in every week, as we uh, join you live for those listening on Saturday night at 7, let's grow this show. Tell a friend about the Comedy Shack. Also, you can contact me, as always, via Twitter. I'm at the Joey Harris. that's T-H-E-J-O-E-Y-H-A-R-R-I-S. And you can also email me, joeyharriscomedy, at gmail.com. I hope you all are doing well. I hope you've had a great week. I've had a pretty good week, as always, ups and downs. Um, still battling with whatever this is. On my in my throat and just just general throat issues, but it's not too bad. It only bothers me you know, a couple of times a day, but I get over it quickly. I think just the change in all of the weather and everything is is what what does it. But as always, we will power through and soldier on. Which brings us to the next topic, which is this week's joke of the week. A uh, man comes into a restaurant and didn't realize that it was a fancy restaurant, and he stopped by the major D and said, excuse me, sir, we have a dress policy at this restaurant. Everybody's got to come in with a jacket and a tie. The man says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Um, So it goes back to his car and it just so happens that he has a blazer there so he puts on the blazer and he doesn't have any a tie available and so he looks down and he's just about to leave and he notices that he doesn't have a tie but he has a pair of jumper cables so he puts the jumper cables around his neck and adjusts it more and makes it look and ties it and makes it look like a tie and comes in and the mater d looks at him and goes, uh, well, you got the blazer, the jacket, and I guess those jumper cables can pass as a tie. Okay, you can come in, but don't start anything. So I thought that was a pretty cute joke. I heard that joke many years ago as I was putting today's show together. I thought that was, that, that's a cute joke. I'll to share that. So, <clears throat> Jumper cable ties, that's this week's joke of the week, which leads us into our next segment, which is the recommendation of the week. This week's recommendation, from 1986, Disney animated film, The Great Mouse Detective. It's the 26th animated feature for Disney. Uh, Main characters are mice and rats who live in Victorian London. And it's based on the Battle of Baker Street series of books by Eve Titus. Uh, It's about a heroic mouse who emulates Sherlock Holmes, the great detective who actually lives in the same address in the walls 
of uh, 26, 226B Baker Street. I'm sorry, 221B Baker Street in London, and Emily's great detective that he sees. The title character is named after Basil Rathbone, the famous Sherlock Holmes actor who did a series of Sherlock Holmes films in the 30s and 40s and uh, made him a great amount of fame, but also typecast him in the role. He later also played Sherlock Holmes on television and in radio. In fact, if you watch this film, there is dialogue by Sherlock Holmes, and the dialogue that is taken from, from a 1966 reading that he did, I believe, of the Red-Headed League, the original uh, Arthur Conan Doyle story. And so he appears via voice in this film that uh, premiered 19 years after the actor had passed away. So that that's pretty cool. Um, it was a successful film for Disney after their previous feature, The Black Cauldron, had, had been a failure at the box office and critically. And this film, the success of this film, sets up the Disney animated film Renaissance that would come later in the 1990s. Disney does this film, follows it up with uh, Oliver and Company, which I'll mention briefly during one of my stories later on in the hour. And then that sets up the big, huge animated renaissance that they went through in the 90s with The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, which goes on and on and on and really sets up Disney for the huge amount of success that it had in the 90s with first those animated features and then with Pixar, all of the stuff that they do now, the Buzz Life and so on and so forth. The film describes the meeting of Basil and Dr. David Q. Dawkins, who, like Watson and Holmes, um, are the characters, uh, the main protagonist and his cohort. It features the search for Hiram Flaversham, a toy maker who has been taken by Professor Radigan, the film's villain. It's a great film for something for the whole family, featuring the voice talents of Barry Ingram, it's Basil Vincent Price as Professor Radigan, who does just an outstanding job, fully carries a third of the film uh, on on the shoulders of just his voice talent, the great Vincent Price. Uh, Val Bedden as Dr. Dawkins and Alan Young, the great Alan Young, who's been in so many things, uh, played Wilbur and Mr. Head. It's just a great talent and a great voice talent as Hiram. So that's this week's recommendation of the week, the great mouse detective uh, from Disney. So you can go out and, and rent it, buy it on DVD, on Blu-ray. They've done a Blu-ray release and just looks fantastic. Uh, the great mouse detective from Disney, 1986 film. That's this week's recommendation of the week. And now a salute to some of those who've passed this week. Uh, a few names, Jeff Henneman, 49, uh, great guitarist for Slayer. Chris Kelly, 34, rap artist for Chris Cross. 
Deanna Durbin, 91, singer and actress, best known for three smart girls. Uh, three of those who have passed. So that's our salute to those who have passed this week. Um, just, I, you know, I was thinking about it. The people who passed, I mean, we, we say a few things about them here um, this week, but, you know, you can't get to everybody. You don't have how much time to to spend on people, but I think it's good, and I think it's a good thing that you stop and you at least pause and remember them and remember some contribution that they've made to the public or, you know, just someone's life. You, you can't get everybody. Of course you can't get everybody, and you don't know about everybody or the people who influence them, but I think if they're kind of well-known and they're in the, the, uh, the public, yeah, it's a good thing to just stop and, and just to remember them for a few minutes. I think that's a, a great thing to do. Leading us on to our next feature, this week's Trailblazer. Of course, the Trailblazer segment where we look at those who have shaped comedy present from the comedy past. This week's Trailblazer, another first for us, the first female. This week's Trailblazer, Phyllis Ziller. Born Phyllis Adis Driver on July 17, 1917, in Lima, Ohio. Only child, her parents were rather older, or an older couple when they had her, and she said later on that she never really saw them affectionate towards each other, so you always have to wonder how that shapes someone, shapes their development as they grow up. Studied piano for three years at the Sherwood Music Conservatory uh, before going on in, in to another college um, where she met a fellow and was a classmate of fellow Ohioan Q Downs, the late Q Downs of uh, ABC News 2020. Uh, <clears throat> During uh, the 1940s, Phil was a housewife, mother, and advertising copywriter. And she kept the home and the children while her husband worked at a uh, bomb-making factory during World War II. She, I said before, she studied music for many years, but thought she was never very good enough to make it uh, a living at it and be a professional musician. But that did not stop her from keep playing and studying for the rest of her life. She played in her private life for all of her life and actually owned a custom-made harpsichord um, that I have seen footage of her playing um, via a documentary that I'll discuss in just a few minutes. But it's very unique and was also made to her specifications. She began her career working at KROW Radio and along with Winnie Bruce, Bob Newhart, and Mort Saul, she was considered a part of the post-World War II comics revolution 
the era of comics who started their living but had absolutely no connection with vaudeville. Our last two trailblazers, Jack Benny and Rick Skelton, if you'll remember, had connections to vaudeville and and really got their start there. She did not. She picks up after World War II, has no connection to vaudeville and that era. In November of 1952, she began the TV show, show called Phyllis Dillis, The Homely Friendmaker, a playoff of the friendly homemaker uh, motif. And first did stand-up at the Purple Onion on March 7, 1955, and remained there for 87 straight weeks. That is an unbelievable run. And she was going out and doing one to two shows a night, and she realized uh, a lot of times that as a unique thing in the Purple Onion, a lot of the crowd for the first show would stay for the second show. And she did not think that it was right for them to hear the, a lot of the same material twice in a row. So during this 87-week run that she has at the Purple Onion, she kept updating and doing new material, putting a lot of new material in there, and that's something just just not heard of. Uh, in those days, or really today, you have people that do maybe new sets <clears throat> every year. We talked about that. Louis C.K. has done it. Jerry Seinfeld has done it. You kill all of your material that you're doing, and you start over from scratch. She was doing this on sometimes a nightly basis. I mean, I'm sure that she may have worked in some of the same material from a previous show, but a lot of it was new material that the audience were seeing for the second show were seeing. And these audiences were also coming back to see her on a weekly basis where she had to keep writing the new material and just would just put input just that she put into her material as well as the output that resulted from that. She became famous for her appearances with Bob Hope during the 1960s, uh, both on television and in the movies, and also did famous a USO tour with him in the mid-1960s during the height of the Vietnam War. And during this time, she was also a regular on TV talk shows and variety shows, such as um, What's Our Line, uh, Laughing, uh, Whose who's Line Is It Anyway?, um, all of those come in and really help her appeal and her box office as she goes out and does dates at clubs all across America. She starred in two short-lived shows, The Pruitt to Southampton and The Beautiful Phyllis Diller Show. She was also a Broadway actress taking over as one of the many actresses that took Carol Channing's place in Hello, Dolly. She starred in that role for three months on Broadway. In 2003, she donated some of her costumes 
and her gag file um, to the uh, Museum of American History. Her gag file is a steel cabinet with 48 file drawers containing more than 50,000 jokes that she and gags that she had typewritten on index cards. And again, through this documentary that I saw on her and her life, you actually see the gag file and the index cards. It was just a fascinating thing to think that she had all of those. And she pulled one out during the documentary and, and reads it it's about someone famous, I can't remember right now, but that person that passed away. And she said she never does jokes about <clears throat> dead people. She considered it in poor taste. And but she says with the the line, you can mark the person's name out and then put a, another person's name uh, and, and still get the same effect, still get the punchline that's worked uh, and, and valuable. Between 1971 and 1981, she appeared as a piano soloist with some 100 symphony orchestras. She loved performing, the uh, playing on the piano with the harpsichord in front of people and fulfilled really a lifelong dream with that, playing with the orchestras. And I think she did some comedy there, but it was mainly her doing, uh, playing on the piano or the harpsichord and fulfilled a lifelong ambition of hers. Married and divorced twice, her husband, Fang, that she talked about during her act famously was a fictional uh, character, not based on either one of her husbands, although she said in a radio interview that once, I believe her first husband that she was married to, um, someone wrote him I believe they were living in Ohio and just put the put thing and the town and the state and the zip and it actually came to him and she said he actually did get a very big kick out of that that he got a letter or a postcard that was addressed that way. She had four children and pinned her autobiography in two thousand and five titled Like a Lampshade in a Whorehouse. <clears throat> in 1999, she suffered a heart attack and was fitted with a pacemaker. And after a bad fall in 2005, she underwent neurological tests and a pacemaker replacement. Approaching, 19, uh, approaching her 90th birthday, she actually retired from Santa but still did um, personal appearances and appearances on talk shows and in uh, TV shows and movies for the rest of her life. Um, that August the 20th of 2012 of Natural Causes, she was 95. A huge recommendation if you go out, I believe it's on Netflix. If not, I'm sure it's not hard to find. Go out and look and see, get the documentary, Good Night, We Love You. It is a documentary about her life centered around her last public concert in Las Vegas in that last weekend, full of personal remembrances, stories about her life and her career and her personal life and always centered around the actual event of the final 
appearance itself. So I cannot recommend it enough. It's called Good Night. We love you. And there you learn about her passion for cooking. She said she wanted to have a great, not only a great life and great quantity of life, but a great quality of life. And you can't always get that eating hotel food and airport food and going out to restaurants you don't know. And if you cook something yourself with, you know, the natural ingredients, then you know what you're getting. So she says she traveled many years with like a small hot plate and pots and pans and her, as part of her entourage and her suitcase, and she would cook for herself and her staff and any people at the hotel, you know, so there was nothing of, of her having a onion or a tomato or some garlic in her handbag at all times just so that she could use it in her cooking and also had for a short time a, a line of her own chicken chili made with, you know, fresh natural ingredients instead of all the processed stuff um, and was um, made under the name of Silly Dilly Chili. So it's really good and it also talks about her driving. She uh, was a very big, she was a very big collector of cars and had reproductions of famous cars done. It's usually three-quarter uh, reproductions of all of the other, the big cars that she could done with minor adjustments of things for comfort for her. And it also talks about her world record as the um, stand-up records for the number of gangs and last per minute that she got. I, it, I think that it, it's a laugh. I think that, that every six seconds or so, it may be even less time for that. It was just unbelievable to me because if you see her, she will do a, a setup and then punchline, 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 uh, all one-liners that she could do one after the other. So um, she has the record for the record for laughs per minute in the Guinness World Records. So that is this week's Trailblazer of the Week, Phyllis Diller. I talked earlier about, on the recommendation of the week, The Great Mouth Detectives, and it being the 26th animated film for Disney. Now, I believe the next film that they did, if it's not the next film that they did, it's the one after that, with Oliver and Company. Oliver and Company is a twist on um, Oliver Twist. No pun intended. Um, takes place this time in Oliver and Company in New York City and, again, modeled around animals. Uh, Oliver is a cat. Dodger is a, 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 a mud voiced by Billy Joel, who does a lot of the songs there and all that. I, I remember just a, a huge, huge thing. And around this time, I uh, my family and I, we used to go see movies in the afternoon after Thanksgiving, uh, after we'd eaten 
uh, dinner. We would go out and send me in one year we went and saw Oliver and company. And shortly after that I got the uh the cassette tape of the the story with all the songs. They do like the condensed version of the story. You get most of the story but they condense it to cassette form, but you do get all of the songs once upon a time in New York City and all of that. And why should I worry? And I've mentioned before that my sisters and I all share a, a birth week, and shortly after that, it was our birth week, and my older sister was having friends over for a sleepover for her birthday. And at the same time, I came down with a really, really bad virus. And then it was too late to cancel. I was basically quarantined to my room before that weekend. But it was okay. I had a radio and I had my cassettes, including the the Oliver and Company cassette. I also had my Nintendo in there. And had recently gotten Contra for the Nintendo and had learned about the Konami code. Um, I call it the Contra code, the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. BA Spark code, which gives you 30 men to go through the game with. And I would just love to play that game just over and over again, just going through it. And I remember going through it and listening to the All in One Company soundtrack with the story and the music. I love the songs on there and just going going through now. But that event also starts off what I call my associations of having a particular thing tied to a memory. A friend of mine told me a little over uh, two months ago that I've always been very good tying things in my life and my history to a particular moment. But I remember this happened because that thing happened. And this is one of the first times I remember that. It's a, it's a big thing. I know that when we're all sick to have um, something that we want, something that calms our stomach. And for me, that's always been ginger ale and saltines crackers. And it's the first time I remember that being sick and having something that would help me at least not be as sick and calm my stomach was that ginger ale and crackers. And it just ties so much to that soundtrack, um, you know, once upon a time in New York City, the Oliver and Company, Watched I Worry, Contra, and just that, that feeling of, you know, I'm not, I don't feel the greatest, but this is, you know, this is better than, than nothing. Which leads me, I, I talked a few weeks ago about my next-door neighbors, Nanny and Butchie, and Nanny was just a fantastic, fantastic cook. And the minister actually talked about during her funeral, if you you came to her house, you were a member of her family, and she would always make sure that you had something to eat if you, if you wanted it. And, you know, some of the greatest things, 
that I remember are her and her recipes. And to me, it's a taste of home. Her blueberry delight is dessert. It's like a uh, part graham cracker, part nutty crust, blueberries, and uh, cream cheese and whipped cream and all that. It's just it's just great as well as vegetable soup with, you know, the big vegetables and the broth and, and chicken. And it just it reminds me so much of just that feeling of home. And it, it's also for me, I'm from the South. I, I do many of the things and eat many of the things that you associate with the South. And one of the things that I eat that the rest of my family does not share come from that relationship with Nanny. And that would be, um, I eat chitlins, or I have eaten chitlins. It's been many years since I've eaten chitlins, and this is around the dinner hour for many years, so um, you can look up what chitlins are. So I'll, all I'll say is part of the pig. Um, and a lot of people uh, don't like them, and it's fine what you like, what you don't like, but it's a different is that Nanny would cook chitlins and she would make them in the form of white cake, like if you had like a fish cake or a salmon salmon cake or a salmon patty. Um, that's how she would do chitlins. She would, would just um, chop them up real fine and make them like with a cornmeal uh, batter, mix it all up and make it in the form of cake. And I've discussed the story and uh, a few weeks ago in the No More Saturdays story that um, she and her husband, Butch, passed away 11 days apart in October of 2004. In April of 2005, one of my uh, favorite shows was starting to be released on DVD, and I've talked about it on here before, uh, briefly, when we were talking about great cliffhangers, and that's Quantum Leap. And I had a little bit of extra money saved up, and I went and bought the first season. And I'm watching it, and it was just, you know, it was just really, really just, it, it's a great show. I recommend it highly, but there's an episode where Sam is leaped into the the body of a black man in 1950s uh, Mississippi or Alabama, somewhere in the South, and plays an elderly black man who is a driver for a elderly uh, white woman. And part of him is his time at home with his family and he had agreed before Sam tells him to his body to prepare the chitlin for some feast or family reunion or something they were having. And just watching that I all of a sudden just broke down and was just crying 
just just tears and I couldn't believe how overwhelming it was to me, you know, just something that's as crazy as <clears throat> a mention of chitlins on a television show could just bring back all of those memories for me. And it was it was very overwhelming. I will say that. But it shows you just how great and how big emotions are and how emotions are tied up with eating and the actual preparation of food and, and the eating of food. You know, there's such a thing as emotional eating. And there's all all ties together. And it was getting me, you know, think a, a, a taste of this and a taste of that. So different times that food has played a role in my life. Just the snapshots that occur and that are associated with <clears throat> a food or a meal. The first girlfriend I ever had Kicked me something one day. I came over. She had already eaten lunch. I hadn't eaten anything. And she said, Well, I can make you something instead of going out. I said, Okay, that's fine. And she opened up a can of SpaghettiOs and just heated them up and served them to me. And I'll never forget. Now, they were SpaghettiOs. And SpaghettiOs are what SpaghettiOs are. They're not. You know, you don't call them good. I wouldn't call them bad. They're spaghettios or something that eat. But it ties in to me because there's something in my life that somebody I care about, somebody who cares about me, takes time out of their life to prepare me something. That means a lot to me. And I think a lot of the person and I think a lot of the that moment in time over a small thing such as just a can of SpaghettiOs. It doesn't have to be something big, but it's something that you remember. <clears throat> and another time, this just, you know, it just stuck with me. I had graduated from college and I had no plan for my life. If any of you listening who are in college, that's the number one thing I would tell you is have a plan. Doesn't need to be a detailed plan. Doesn't need to be thought out for the next 50 years. Uh, but whenever, you know, the end of the semester comes and graduation comes and you graduate, that's not the time to start thinking about what's next. Have a plan. Most of you graduating around this time, you'll start the graduating process the next three or four weeks going to be graduation, graduation, graduation. Have a one-year plan. Just plan after life. What am I going to do for the next year? You know, if you want to be a little bit uh, more thought out about it, have a two-year or five-year plan. Nothing wrong with that. And if you enter that plan and you find out it's not working, stick with it while you come up with another plan. Nothing wrong with having another plan. There is something wrong with having no plan because you end up wasting a lot of your life uh, 
that you could have been doing other things. And he can take it from me. I graduated college. I didn't have a plan and worked sometime as a security guard. Now, that's a noble profession. You'll never hear me put it down. I did three years of my life as a security guard at two different places. Um, It's a very noble profession, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. But I remember I was working as a security guard at a um, textile plant, and I was working one Saturday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., and the plant was not running any Saturday hours that particular day, and it was in October, and it was quiet, and, you know, nothing was happening. And my boss always told us that, you know, we had radios there. We could bring in our own radio. We could listen to the radio. Or, you know, if it wasn't busy, you could read a book. He just didn't want to bring in, you know, meaning affordable television and stuff like that. He thought that was too distracting. But I would listen to the radio there, listen to the radio programs or bring um, my small uh, radio boombox and listen to books or CDs on tape sometimes. But I spend a lot of those Saturdays reading books. And I'm a huge fan of Robert B. Parker, the late Robert B. Parker Spencer novels. But through a lot of them, I remember I was reading Walking Shadow that day. It was quiet. I had done my rounds, and I checked all of the buildings and had done the outside rounds. And it was just not nothing bothering me. It was slightly cool in the air. And my parents called me up. They were coming to town to eat uh buffet at a pizza place and they asked if they could bring me something and I said, yeah, I think they have sandwiches. You could bring me a sandwich. So they said, okay. And about one o'clock that afternoon they showed up and they handed me the the um, paper bag and I had a sub, I believe it was a turkey sub and I I think it was the first time I've ever had a sub where the bread was toasted. It was hot and crispy bread and cool turkey and lettuce, tomato and cheese and mayonnaise and a bag of plain Lay's potato chips, so very crunchy, salty potato chips and a diet Mountain Dew to drink. And then they left, and I think then set my food out, cleaned me a space, and put my book to the side, put on some music or a talk show, and sat there and ate my food. And that point in time made me realize that it doesn't have to be something big, but you can have a really good moment in time and a really good memory and a really good meal with something simple as a turkey sub and a bag of plain potato chips and a, a soda. And for that five to ten minutes or however long it takes you to eat your food, you know, the wolf's going to always be at the door or 
you can have problems. And they say if 10 people are around the fire and they can all throw their problems in the fire, but they had to bring somebody that else is out, everyone would always grab their own problems again. And I believe that. I believe that's true. Somebody may look like they have it all and they could be struggling. Happened to me, happened to all of us. You just hope that you can hang on to the struggles and that the struggles don't always last. But for that small moment in time, with that turkey, sub, chips, and drink, all was right with the world. And I carry that day and reading that book and just that that meal as a, a, a good day in my life. few years later, another struggling time. My wife and I were living in Fayetteville. I was teaching eighth grade English, and it was spring break. And we had done our, our taxes and sent them off, but they, haven't, they hadn't come back to our bank yet. We didn't have a lot of money. We had a little food, but it wasn't a great variety of food and stuff. So we decided to come and see my parents for a few days. And, you know, it's a good opportunity to be around family. It's also a good opportunity to have a different variety of food. And so we gathered what little money that we had together. And I think I actually sold a video game to get six or seven dollars and gas was dollar fifty or dollar sixty a gallon at the time. We take my wife's car uh that hadn't given us problems but it was more reliable on gas and we put what gas we had and take the most direct route to my parents' house, and we arrived between 8 and 9 that night. And we come in, and we bring our luggage in, and we put the luggage away. My mother asked us if we had eaten, and we said that we had not. She says, okay, I'll cook you something. And she cooked us grilled cheese sandwiches with, you know, a good bread on the butter on the outside you make it crisp and I believe she used Swiss cheese which I'm usually a fan of the American cheese at that time again moment in time moment with just the struggle but in this small moment in time everything's going to be alright and to this day I still the best grilled cheese sandwich that I've ever had. And it's just another time that fills me up with warmth and I hold it with me associated with the food that I eat. Uh, And then another time, uh, a taste of uniqueness. I'm a cookie-themed I love cookies. I love warm cookies or 
could be mad, warm, warm, and just start cooling, just starting to. They're still warm and soft, but starting to firm up just a little. And especially chocolate chip cookie. A hot chocolate chip cookie and cold glass of milk. There's nothing like it. But you hear about different cookies, and, you know, growing up, we just had the staples. Oatmeal, oatmeal raisin, sugar cookie, chocolate chip cookie. Wait until I was fairly older that I'd heard of different cookies, such as the snickerdoodle. Now, the snickerdoodle, if you think about it, I'm like, snickerdoodle? It got the word snickers in it. It should have snickers in it. And people always thought that I was crazy. A friend of mine a few years ago, though, actually made me some snickerdoodles that had snickers in it. She made the snickerdoodle. She took Snickers mini bars, cut them up real fine, and mixed it up from the batter. And I can tell you this right now, ladies and gentlemen, that's a good cookie. You let them cool for a few minutes, but just put them in your mouth. Man alive, are they good cookies. That's the taste of uniqueness right there. Snickerdoodles will actually snickers in them. A few months ago, and I outlined this in a um, trio of shows about a month back about my life in the past two years or so. But a few months ago, I tried to bring in, you know, you can't do much about your everyday circumstances of your life. But I tried to do at least a little, a little something. And so I decided, you know, I don't have a lot, but I can bring a little bit of class to what little I do have. So I remember being on my own, um, snowy outside, one of those snowy weekends that we had, and just sitting there say, you know what? I took out a good glass. I poured myself a glass of iced tea and I got out a good saucer, a good plate. And I grilled me up a couple of grilled cheese sandwiches, American cheese on my sandwich maker and Heated up some tomato soup. I put it in a good bowl and put my grilled cheese on the on the plate and sliced them lengthways. So I had four half sandwiches and got out the good silverware. And that was my lunch on a snowy Saturday as I was doing some laundry and. Again, it, you know, it's not a lot, but it's that sense of doing for yourself something good. You know, we all we all need to take and have good moments in our life. And for me, that was one of my good moments in life. I spoke before about just having 
<clears throat> throat problems and just one of those pestering things that just won't heal completely for some reason. And I've had this for uh, many years. Uh, you know, I get bronchitis usually once or twice a year, at least once a year, usually later on in the year. And Thanksgiving, three years ago, Thanksgiving week, um, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, my wife came down with uh, a sickness, you know, just a minor sickness, but I didn't want it. And, and it was, no, she came down with bronchitis herself, and I did not want bronchitis. I just, I hate it. So I kind of quarantined myself off into the living room. And those of you who are in a fierce relationship of any kind with someone who needs, with whom you share a bed, if the other person is sick, you're always relegated to the living room. So go ahead and make the best of it. So she was in the bed, and about 2 a.m. in the morning, my eyes snapped open. Why? Because I realized I could not breathe. My throat was closed off with what felt like this huge just glob of mucus. <clears throat> and I tried to work my throat forward that I could just take, you know, spit it out and breathe, but I was really panicking. So I did kind of like the, the gag reflex and, you know, I tried to force it up and it would come up a little bit, but then it would go back down and I just kept, you know, just trying to, almost trying to make myself vomit out. out. And I hate to vomit, but I thought if I could just do that, I could take this my three fingers in my mouth, my two fingers in my thumb, and kind of scoop just the mucus out just so I could breathe and maybe provide bringing the rest of it up because I couldn't swallow it down either. And I was breathing through my nose and breathing somewhat more calmly, but still not breathing fully out of my mouth. And I got up, went to the kitchen, and was still doing that, and I would almost be able to grab it and not quite be able to just keep doing that thing. My cat came in and looked at me like, that's impressive what you're doing, but if you actually can hack up a hairball, I'll be more impressed. And finally, I had a pretty good motion going with the going back and forth and grabbed it. Now, I told you that story to tell you this story. And after I finish this story, I'll go back and conclude the previous story. One of my favorite all-time shows is the Andy Griffith Show. I love it. It takes place in North Carolina. Andy Griffith was and is an idol of mine. Um, it's very sad that he passed away last year. And he will probably be a future trailblazer. But, and it's a really great show. It's very funny. It's got great morals. I think he and Opie 
that father-son relationship for my money on television. But it's a great show. And also Don Knotts, just a fantastic character, uh, Barney Fife that he plays. He embodies that role so much. And there's an episode of the Andy Griffith show where uh, they think that Barney, and Barney kind of makes himself out to be a great singer and joins the the choir, and they start out, and quickly the rest of the choir finds out what Andy and, and Aunt B and Thelma Lou and Opie already know is that Barney is not a great singer. He's a great guy, and he tries hard, but he's not a great singer. And Andy tries to ploy because he wants to save Barney's feelings. He doesn't want to just uh, make Barney be let go from the choir, as Plum had suggested. And so he tells that Barney, he looked in his mouth and he said, oh, you've got something in your in your mouth that's just red and big and swollen. It'll probably be okay, but you should probably go home and rest for a few days and don't worry about the concert. It'll be a struggle to get through without it, without you. And about 30 minutes later on the TV showtime, not you know, a short while later, but 30 minutes in that realm, Barney comes back with him a little and says that he had been to visit the doctor. And the doctor had examined him, and you know what that big red thing was? A uvula. And it's one of the great lines to me in the Andy Griffith show. I got a uvula, you got a uvula, all guys, children got a uvula. I found that out personally that night that I thought I was choking because I reached down, grabbed hold, and almost yanked my uvula out of my own throat. I realized quickly after I had almost done that 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 is what I had almost done and let go of my uvula. But for all of Thanksgiving, I had a scratched and bruised uvula that my family just thought was the funniest thing they had ever heard once they heard the story. Moral of the story, all God's children got a uvula. And don't try to get you with that. Oh, and P.S. I got bronchitis anyway. Well, we're coming towards quickly, quickly towards the end of the uh, show this week. And I'd like to thank you all, as I do every week. I can't say it enough. Thank you all for coming and being with me and sharing an hour of your time with me. I'm humbled by it. I appreciate it. And I'll never forget it. And please, please send me your feedback. Tell a friend about the show. Say, hey, there's this guy. And he talks about stories from his life. He talks about things comedy as recommendations. He talks about the pioneers of comedy, his Trailblazer segment. And let him know. And just tell him to, you know, try it out. If you're out and about, somebody says, hey, you know anything good you can listen to, turn them on to the Comedy Shack, as well as all of the rest of the shows, the Go Radio Network, all the Go Entertainment Network, as well as the Go Radio Sports 
Network. We have fantastic shows on both sides. And as I do almost every week, I cannot thank you enough for joining me. I can't thank Big PJ enough for allowing me this forum to spend time with you all and to tell you um, stories from my life and to share great things from my life. It was just such an honor to be here and to be able to share these moments and stories with you. Uh, And, you know, I like to thank those people in my life and those great moments uh, this week that I talked about surrounding food, from the snickerdoodles with actual snickers to that great vegetable soup, the blueberry delight, to the grilled cheese on my own, and the SpaghettiOs in the bowl, the turkey sandwich, the potato chips, and all of it. It makes up the moments of our lives, folks. Don't ever take any of them for granted because they're not always going to be there, but you can enjoy them in the moment and you can also enjoy the memories that they leave you with for years to come and really for the rest of your life. So that is this week's show. Again, thank you for joining me. I'm Joy Harris. As always, you can follow me at a plethora of places. You can find me and follow me on Twitter. Send me a message. Follow me Twitter at T Joey Harris. That is at T H E J O E Y H A R R I S. I'm on Facebook. Please join me on Facebook. Be my friend. Send me a friend request. Put on there that you know about me from the comedy shack, and I will accept your friend request. That's Facebook.com slash Joey H37. That's Facebook.com slash J O E Y H37. And as always, email me, Joey Harris Comedy at gmail.com. Again, put on the email that in the subject line, put the comedy chat or comedy just so it I can um, get it out and read what you have to say and correspond with you that way. I'm always open there. Email Joey Harris Comedy at gmail.com and with that that will do it for this week's episode of the Comedy Shack I'm Joy Harris thank you so much for joining me this week we'll be back next week to discuss all things comedy and have more recommendations jokes, trailblazers and stories of the week but for this week that'll do it and until next time Good night, and God bless.